welcome to Missouri Loves Company. I'm Brock Wilbur. I'm Vivian Kane. Uh, we have a. I love very... your radio voice that you start that with every week. I'm glad you like <laughs> yeah. it. Sexuals. <laughs> Uh, Do we need to start this over? Now? No, we don't. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we have a guest here that uh, I've wanted as a guest on the show since we first started. Uh, he is a co-host on the show, uh, Hell of a Way to Die. Uh, it's a podcast uh, that is a leftist military podcast that I'm just obsessed with. Uh, him and his co-host really dig into military issues, but they're both leftist-leaning dudes that are saying that, that patriotism doesn't belong to the right, but also like... They have regrets from their time in the military, but also they have stories and ways for us to progress forward. It's really interesting. You say regrets from his time in the military, but he's still actively serving, right? He's he in the, He's in the reserves. It's a very complicated yeah. thing. Like they, he he knows that this period has done wrong to people, but he has had to serve it because if you leave but before your time is up. Like, you owe the military something like $100,000. It like, also doesn't super sound like he wants to leave from his talking about it. It goes back and forth. like yeah. and, and I appreciate the humanism that they bring to this. And, and treating it like a career. Exactly. And anyway, it's... And in, I'm going to speak to the future because yes. we just did the interview. So it, I will say that it is interesting, this thing we're about to talk about. It is good. And we also talk about Eric Greitens, the... Current governor of Missouri, Current, but who knows by the who, time it yeah, comes Yeah, by out. the time this posts. So uh, if we have room in the show notes, uh, we'll say like there's a link to this Greitens thing that you should look at. And yeah. also maybe we can post a link to your interview with them for Paste that you did. Absolutely. Uh, because it's a, it's a great podcast and um, are just some really interesting dudes talking about a thing from an angle that needs more attention. It does. So uh, here it is. Thank you for listening. Bye. Hey, we've got Francis Horton here. I'm Brock Wilbur. I'm Vivian Kane. And uh, this is Missouri Loves Company. Uh, Francis, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on the show. You are the first person we asked to like guest on our show when we moved out here because uh, I'd just gotten into the podcast right before moving out, and I've been like a lifelong Kansas guy in Kansas City a lot, though. St. Louis is still like out of bounds for me, and you are a leftist military dude living in the St. Louis area. And I have no idea what you're up against there. <laughs> um, I don't go out much. Uh, just, uh, you know, there's, Same. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, th- you know, we, we have a, uh, a local um, democratic socialists of America group here and uh, I'm not part of the DSA, but I am uh, a big fan of them. And I know, I know a bunch of the, the guys in, in there. So uh, I, you know, that that's, kind of where i'm uh where i'm at but i i am much more of a local kind of like my neighborhood what can i do here to improve things and then i just go online and yell about stuff and send pictures of the pig pooping on its own balls to random politicians <laughs> like that's that's the extent of my <laughs> online leftism really you uh you also uh, uh shit post at people that actually own guns versus uh, me who shit posts at gamers who pretend to have guns uh <laughs> Is is your on, online presence ever dangerous to you? Um, no, because I own guns too. So, you know, uh, and and also I don't check th- and mate. <laughs> I don't think anybody uh, yet, at least, I don't think I've gotten to a point that I've made somebody so angry. Because like most of the people that get angry at me online don't live in St. Louis. Um, I don't. St. Louis has always seemed to be like you know five to ten years behind uh, the time. So most of St. Louis, I don't think, is on Twitter. Um, other than, 
<laughs> yeah, uh, other other than uh, Eric Garland and uh, um, the Gateway Pundit and me and Sarah Ken Ken Zor. I don't I can't pronounce her name, but um, no. But nobody really has gotten so mad that they're like, I'm just I'm so mad at this guy. I'm going to get on an airplane and fly out and go to his you know first find me because my uh, address isn't that public and then come to my door and and you don't tell people what you're up to no uh not not in general yeah, you, you don't let people know your job <laughs> no uh and i mean and i mean i don't let people know what army unit i'm in um although somebody one time did threaten to uh dig up my commander's information and tell him that i was uh god i i've been accused of being an oath breaker online multiple times because what's I'm, an oath breaker well see i'm in the military and in the military we uh say that will defend the constitution right but when you're a socialist people think that or when you're anything left basically whenever you're anything left of a democrat the idea is that well you want to completely destroy the constitution and because you want to destroy the constitution you're an oath breaker and i'm going to call the i'm going to call your commander and i'm going to tell him that you said mean things about the president online and you're going to go to jail <laughs> And I talked to my commander about it one time. My commander, who is seven years younger than me, um, <laughs> has been in the Army uh, less than half of the time that I've been in the Army, has not done any deployments overseas. I said, sir, uh, I just want to let you know that sometimes I rile people up online, and if by some <laughs> way they find you, uh, you know, you might get a phone call about me. And he's just like, I don't know, are you fucking breaking the law? I'm like, mm, I'm kind of mean to the president online. He's like, dude, nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> So, <laughs> so thankfully, uh, thankfully, I have the backing of my commander who thinks I'm great. Um, so I don't, I don't worry too much about it. Like I don't. People, people think that like everybody in the army has some sort of like gung ho. We're gonna go out and do this, and I just can't wait to to go overseas. But like pretty much everybody in my unit is just trying to get by day to day. You know, we're we're reservists. We're one week in a month. There's uh, not a whole lot of politics. There's there are a lot of people that have um, uh, pickup trucks and uh, those goofy, like, you know those dog harnesses, but that are, like, have Velcro patch spots on it for their dogs? That's <laughs> always been a weird thing, but uh, <laughs> I don't I don't really worry about it too much. And I, I am, like, in my unit, I'm an outspoken socialist because I don't care about my military. Well, I, didn't, I don't want to say I don't care about furthering my military career any further than I am at the moment. And I know that even me saying... I'm a leftist and I'm in the military. My unit would still promote me because I'm very good at my job, um, which is, <laughs> which is basically like being a leader. And, uh, you know, uh, I set up trainings and I'm able to multitask like in the military. Sometimes it's very difficult to find. So people really like it when you can do that. Hmm. Uh, I've, I've interviewed guys, uh, you guys for uh, paste magazine and uh, the lead off there was to uh, bring up my wife uh, who is now on the podcast. That is wow. you. Uh, the angle of, of what you guys do on your show, which is to talk about military uh, matters from a leftist perspective, uh, digs into one of her two least favorite things in the world, which is uh, either people that say that only Christians can be yeah. good people or that only Republicans can be patriotic. Yeah. I've never felt more patriotic than I have. Like, I've never identified as a patriot, uh 
until uh, one Trump was elected and two Hamilton existed and suddenly <laughs> I'm like no I get to be the party of America and it's it, it's become very important to me which in the 31 years leading up to that uh se- would have seemed really weird like identifying as this strong of a patriot as I feel now it feels like a weird arc and I I wonder what your perspective is on it because like uh in in my lifetime we're we're of the same age uh like it went from the thing where like after 9/11 anyone who wasn't wearing like a american flag lapel pin was a, a traitor at all times or anyone that said that like oh not all muslims are terrorists suddenly you hate america like but also we have to have a war on french fries yeah like there were so many things and then like patriotism as like a as a concept seems to have this ebb and flow but it only ebbs and flows in one direction yeah uh and like you said i feel the same way about about like uh people on the right trying to claim uh you know not not religion but like spiritual like moral moral good ethics basically from your perspective (laughs) like what is what does patriotism mean to you as an essay question (laughs) (laughs) well i think that a lot of people have a there's an idea of what patriotism what patriotism is supposed to mean and look like and you know after 9-11 there's a lot of flag humping that happened and it's really tapered off a lot because we're, you know, the wars that we, we do are profoundly unpopular. Um, everybody loves the troops, but nobody loves the war that we have to keep going to, um, which is nice that it's not turning into another Vietnam where the troops come home and get spit on. But still, we are in a perpetual state of war at this point. Um, I mean, we have been at war a lot for a long time. It's just a little bit more pronounced now. And I feel like it's like patriotism, the word itself has, you know, I know a lot of people uh, on the left or people who are, you know, democratic leaning. And I, I try to make it, I, I try to make the, the distinction between the left and Democrats because it's, it's not necessarily the same thing. But because you're, you're so far left. <laughs> I, but I mean, maybe like, I don't know, it's still something that I'm trying to figure out. I know I'm to the left of a Democrat. Uh, I know I'm not a um, like a third world Maoist communist though. So there's as, somewhere... as a sub question here because I I'm fascinated by it too. Before we moved on, uh, just like what prevents you from being a part of the DSA right now? I have my reasons, but I I, I want to know what yours are. <laughs> well, for me, I know that not everybody would be super comfortable with a actively serving soldier in the DSA. Um, hmm. I, it reminds me if uh, if people don't know about the online DSA drama, which if you you shouldn't because it's dumb <laughs> to know about it. <laughs> but, uh, a year or so back, there was a uh, a blow up because there was a a guy Danny Fentone who was uh, like a big in DSA leadership, and it was found out that he worked for police unions, and people wanted him kicked out because they don't want. You know, obviously they don't want cops in uh, in the in the DSA, but he had been he had been there for like forever and done a whole lot of really right. good things for it. So, like I mean, I kept my nose out of it because I'm not in the DSA, and also, I mean, what's online is not what's you know what's happening in in the real uh, the real groups. But I mean, it's a little bit of uh, you know I I don't want people to feel uncomfortable 
even if I'm just in St. Louis, because like I said, I know a lot of the St. Louis DSA people, you know, from, yeah. I know, I Twitter know them. I don't, you know, hang out with them, but I have gone, I went to a shooting range with uh, my local DSA. So. <laughs> DSA shooting range night is, is the perfect embodiment of everything I think that you are as a person. <laughs> well, you know, I, uh, I got to shoot a, um, an old Soviet Mosin. So, I mean, you know, we, we're keeping it, keeping it real, but they also, uh, you know, <laughs> shotguns and AR-15s and everything. Um, but it, it's, uh, there, there's that aspect of, I don't, I just, I don't want, I don't want to be dealing with that kind of, I don't know, witch hunt maybe, but also, I mean, I have a two year old and I have a regular nine to five job. And then I have, uh, you know, my, my podcasting, my writing, my other things that I do. So it's just difficult to find the time and I don't want to, become a card carrying DSA member and not actually do any of the organizing uh, or anything like that. Cause there's a, um, there's a guy, a local DSA guy. Uh, his, uh, his, his at on Twitter is 73 underscore Carondelet, which is the bus he takes to work. He's a, uh, a full on uh, DSA organizer, uh, especially for public transportation. And at one point I saw him just put up a thread about, you know, look, don't, don't do this if you're not willing to do the work. You know, everybody, everybody <laughs> here is, you know, everybody is in the DSA, you know, to, to do the work and you have to be willing to do the work. Otherwise you're just, uh, you're, you're just kind of fronting. And, um, now this was only like a month ago and I have been not in the DSA <laughs> for a long time. It is but, a good ex- a reason why <laughs> but yeah i mean it's a good it's a good reason like i every time that there's a a, a dsa meeting it's like ah, i can't because of this that or the other thing i'm doing this thing with my kid like you know she's got gymnastics she's got swimming she's only she's nearly three and she's got a more active lifestyle than i do <laughs> uh, so you know there, there's just always there's always something coming up and so i i don't want to I, I don't want to i don't want to steal dsa valor i guess is a good way to put it i don't know but to to kind of go back to your your question about patriotism though um i think the best definition of patriotism is just wanting wanting the people in your country to be okay to to do better and uh whether you're conservative or democrat maybe you have different ideas of how you're going to go about that but i think that that's the biggest you know the the biggest part of being a patriot is how well do you want the people in your country to do versus how well do you want you to do you know are you cool with like hey you got to pay a little bit more taxes but that means that you know uh, a person on the other side of the city who you don't know can go to the doctor and get that thing checked out and find out oh it's you know pre-cancer and we can treat it now rather than you know they die in a year and a half because they never went in like you know those those are the big things and there's conservatives there are I, I feel like there are conservatives that do have the uh, best of intentions. Um, they are few and far between though uh, but they are yeah. they are out there. I know I know a couple of them I follow uh, at least one on Twitter uh, who I think I, who I think has the I, best intentions. I mean I guess why I always you know grew up and lived as an adult for so long not really feeling like patriot was a word that described me was because as much as like I I like living in this country I, I it's not like I was like 
I don't know. I always felt like it was either you're a patriot or you're saying down with America. And I was always just like, I don't know. I'm in between. But <laughs> I guess why I didn't feel like that word described me was because what it always looked like was the people that called themselves patriots, which were mostly Republicans growing up in California. Like these weren't the people that, you know, I grew up around. But what it seems like that label had been claimed by people who believed that patriot meant uh, a deep belief in the American dream on an individual level. Like, you you are a patriot because you believe America is going to do the best for you personally, because that's what this country means. And I just, I never connected with that. And now suddenly when, like, I don't know, when so many fundamental, uh, like, social rights are being threatened and when the first amendment is being threatened like now is the first time in my life that I've actually felt a connection with that term and so I I, I really like what you're saying about how like <laughs> patriotism is supposed to be about the country right not about what the country can do for the individual which is what that term has always seemed to mean for like in my view of the people that have claimed it so hard for mm -hmm. so long sure and not and when we say when I say country, I don't mean government. Like right. uh, when <laughs> when when Kennedy said, "Ask not what you can do," you know, "Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country." Um, I don't know what context he meant that in because I've only ever oh, seen lazy a government. Yeah, um, <laughs> but you know, it's uh, yeah, it's it always comes down to you know what what is what about the people around you? Like what yeah. about what about your neighbor who you know you don't talk to and oh, suddenly you find out that they're struggling. Because I live in a very mixed uh, income neighborhood. That's what I was going to ask you about next, because you talk about this at, at length on your show, and it's always very fascinating to me, the, the yeah. situation that you're in in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, I live in a very... Uh, I live in South City, uh, and for, for St. Louis people, South City means a wide range of things. But I live in a very strange, like, kind of sliver down near the, so down near the far south of South City, and it is very it's very mixed income um you know we've got large houses that have been in families for for years and years and years but at the same time i bought i bought my house um for a hundred thousand dollars and it's like three thousand square feet and which wow. is a mansion to anybody <laughs> right which is a mansion to, to anybody in in new york city but you know in we bought well we bought it right we bought it in 2009, I want to say, right when the housing was really was really kind of hosed. Um, mm -hmm. But and and it needs work. Um, you know, we've been slowly. <laughs> it's livable, but you know, we've been slowly fixing it up and making it our own and everything. But you know, there's houses around here that are boarded up, and there's houses that are slowly collapsing in on themselves. You know, I walk my dogs around the neighborhood all the time. But it's funny. As soon as I cross the highway, cross Highway 55 go over into the holly hills area that's where all the nice houses are like we have a highway that kind of bisects us and there's i'm sure if you did a heat map of uh of household incomes it would look drastically different on one side to the other but i mean that's just this is how st louis was st louis has always been built kind of racistly like in a way right. of, <laughs> of cutting people off but yeah i i mean for the most part i just want things to be better for the people around me um and that's what i try to focus a lot of my you know my, my socialism i guess on you know i definitely have an online you know 
I guess for lack of a better word, brand to keep. But <laughs> but you know, I love I love hearing it be torn from you, <laughs> like like it was your skin had to be pulled off to find the brand underneath. <laughs> well, it's I, I I occupy a very weird space of Twitter um, where I'm not fully national security Twitter because I'm an <laughs> anti-war veteran. Uh, who still currently serves, but I'm also not fully leftist vet, uh, Twitter because um, I am a veteran, and there's a lot of people who don't like that that fact. Mm-hmm. I think irony Twitter is the only Twitter faction that I ever, <laughs> that I ever fully like was at home in because it was just all the outcasts and, and assholes of Twitter. Um, and then which is, all- which is I think my problem that I've run into with the DSA stuff. Uh, is that uh, it encourages a lot of like very online people to be uh, involved in what they're doing. And then you find out that very online people aren't that great. Like in Los Angeles, one of the comedians there that was the head of one of their committees uh, took a photo with the Chapo boys of uh, a selfie with the Bill Cosby star on the Walk of Fame. And it was like, nothing but respect for my president. And he had to step down. And you're just like, yeah, you know, uh, extremely online people aren't the best people to represent an organization that's doing a political party that America fears right now. Well, and and unfortunately, uh, a lot of irony Twitter ended up in leftist Twitter. Um, right. We're going to do the, uh, the the backing, the, the background of lefty Twitter, which, you know, existed far before, you know, Donald Trump did, but it really got uh, ramped up after the 2016 election obviously so there's a lot of there's a lot of people that came over so there's a lot of that uh that there, there's still some irony shitheadedness in some people like i've managed to uh keep it under control uh i, <laughs> I hope but but also at the I, same, I think you've done very well at the same time there there are people in the dsa who attack me for being a veteran uh so you know like as you said the extremely onlineness of uh of really twitter in general like i finally i think like three or four months ago i finally got to a point where i was like you know i cannot i literally cannot take this seriously um I, <laughs> and if somebody i can't why am i fighting with people online just can mute them or block them and move on it doesn't matter who cares they're just they're, they're nobody it doesn't matter so my online has been uh much happier after i kind of made that realization good i'm i'm trying to do that too and uh, viv mostly leaves it uh i i am rarely on twitter and when i am the mute button is my favorite button uh but you brought something on the show recently that uh so one of our favorite tv shows is the show studio 60 yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, we're both Studio Sixty apologists. <laughs> uh, and uh, one of the early episodes of that, uh, there's some girls that come to to the party after the SNL sort of show, and they're like, "Wait, this is written." Uh, they're talking to the writers, and they don't know what a writer is on the you show. You brought up uh, sort of how people attack you, and on the show recently, uh, you guys were discussing how sometimes you will meet people that do not know that you were paid to be in the military and thought you just were like real into wanting to murder. And that was why you signed up. And that just blew my fucking mind. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's definitely a faction of uh, people online who, I mean, or even if they do, like, yeah, we know you get paid, but we think they still think that you did it because uh, you wanted to go kill people. And uh, there's just no there's no excuse for for any of us. And hmm. I kind of like I just, you know, I it is unfortunate that I did not come out of my mother's womb uh, 
waving the red Soviet flag behind me. Um, <laughs> considering I'm old enough that when I was born, the Soviet Union did still exist. So hmm. uh, unlike a lot of uh, the people who are screaming at me, um, you know, people people change as they move along. Um, as I've said many times, I don't support what we do uh, overseas. I you know in ways regret joining the military and in ways i don't and you know it's what I, you know it's i i guess if if you're not going to allow people to grow and change uh especially in their politics i mean even my wife uh my wife started listening to the podcast uh i think last week for the first time uh, <laughs> the podcast, I've been, <laughs> podcast i've been doing for uh you know a, a year and a half but she doesn't listen to podcasts uh so she she started listening to it because I would take – on Wednesdays, we go to the Y, and uh, I take my daughter to gym class, and she goes and walks the uh, the YMCA track. So she's like, oh, I'll start finally listening <laughs> to my, my husband's uh, podcast. And, like, the very, very early episodes, where it was literally just me talking into a microphone, didn't have any, any co-hosts, not, no guests or anything like that, uh, she was just like, it's interesting because – did you re- do you remember that you were like 100% behind everybody should just get a gun and there should be no regulations for it? <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Right. She's got receipts. Right. <laughs> I got receipts. Shit, you can, you know, find my podcast and and scroll back. Apparently it's it's there way back in the day. Wow. And, and, and way but, back in the day like a year ago? Uh back in 2016. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And but I mean, at that time, also, like, I just had a very different um, idea about, you know, guns and what they what they require. And it's like, you know, from there to now, I've had a lot of conversations. I've seen a lot of people talk about them. And as I said, I own guns and I'm not like, you know, throwing them into a shredder or anything. But I also don't act as if they are some sort of revered thing that I have to, you know, pay uh, homage to. They are taken apart and they're put inside of a closet. And they're behind two deadbolts. And if anybody, for whatever reason, broke into my house, like, if you can manage to get past the two giant dogs, I'm going to hit you over the head <laughs> with a um, with the, the mag light that's next to my bed. Like, that's – so I don't, I don't have this, like, you know, this – affection for guns that everybody uh that that a lot of gun twitter does and i think you know just going back to you know remembering that time and remembering why why i was thinking that i was very like one of our early episodes um of the podcast also with me nate and adrian is where we all make a um a case for leftists to join the military um (laughs) you know like hey if you want to learn how to uh how to go and shoot and move as a as a team if you think that you know for whatever reason that a violent uprising and revolution is what you're is what you're thinking is going to be the only thing that solves the problem in america hey go join the army they'll teach you all that shit and give you a paycheck uh we have reversed our thinking on that um don't (laughs) don't join the army just to learn stuff like that and there were a lot of people that yelled at me about that one and uh (laughs) but you know i still do get people that ask me like hey i want to join the army or i want to join the marines and like, I feel like that the military is not going to change unless people who want change join it. But also, we need mm. to change the people who are making the decisions for the military. So mm. if you are – it's great that if you're a leftist and you want to join the army as a lieutenant or a private. But it's really not going to – you're still going to go to these shitty wars um, if the 
if you're a shitty congressional person, if your mm. senator is still saying, yeah, we need to keep doing this. So it's a it's a hard up in the air question, but I understand why people join the military for probably the same reason I did, because you got no other real prospects going on and uh, they offer you money. They offer you you get I mean, what other job at 18 are you going to get a paycheck, uh, room and board taken care of and 30 days paid vacation like nowhere? And that room for growth, I imagine, if you want it. Exactly. You can get rank. You've got uh, education and health benefits. Like, you know, joining the military, the military has a really good benefits package as long as you don't mind going and getting shot at. So anytime somebody says... <laughs> just, that, just that one little just that one little thing well, that keeps some people out of it. Well, when people ask me, they say, you know, I want to join. My first question is, well, if you're, if you're under 20, if you're under the age of 20, go join the Air Force because they don't hmm. get shot at very much. And they'll teach you some really useful skills. Hmm. Uh, if you're over 20, then go join the army and go and be like a, um, a computer guy or something. Go do something that doesn't require you to go out and get shot at because that's not uh, it's, it's not fun. As somebody who's dealt with that, it's not fun. So go find yourself something where you get to hang out in a, ser- a, nice, a nice server room somewhere. Or if you get to hang out like just looking at maps and saying, look what I found <laughs> on this map. And you do that for a year. <laughs> hey, you know. sounds like a great job. I'm I'm really curious. Those conversations, going back a little bit, you were saying that uh, about how your stance on guns and how everyone should own them. How that those changed because of some conversations that you had over the course of basically a year. Like, I'm just curious. Are those conversations you had on Twitter or on your podcast or in? In that short span of time, like, what changed your mind that much? I mean, in a lot of places. Uh, Twitter, definitely. Um, my wife is... I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm always looking for ways <laughs> to classify Twitter as good, and right. that sounds like a good one. <laughs> well, um, there is, like I said, there's there, there's at least one conservative that... I, he's a, a, a never-Trumper uh, conservative that I follow <laughs> who gets yelled at a lot online because of his beliefs, but... <laughs> I, you know, I have good conversations with him because I want to understand, you know, his point of view about things. But, you know, there's Twitter, um, you know, just my my day-to-day stuff, having conversations on the podcast, definitely, uh, but also just talking with my wife. My wife is very uh, political as well, especially post-2016. and Why you know we both when, have... when we were all activated as right. if we were sleeper <laughs> right. agents. Oh yeah, the, oh I'm not really political. Never mind. Yes, <laughs> right. I am all the time, every minute of every day. We uh, <laughs> we uh, worked the uh, polling location in Los Angeles. Like we volunteered to because to work that because night. we were like we want to do our civic duty in like a nonpartisan way. And now fuck that. Like no, everything yeah, is partisan that, all that the night time. Yeah, that night was like oh yeah. well fuck <laughs> democracy. We really we yeah. really mucked that up. <laughs> yeah, I I have learned that um, a lot of times my wife has become the best sounding board that I have for things hmm. like especially when it comes to um, you know feminism or or things that have to deal with uh, with you know just women in general I will mm-hmm. you know I used to be hesitant about it but now I'll just walk up to her and like hey this thing happened I'm kind of thinking this that or the other thing about it but I feel like I'm wrong why am I wrong that's uh, awesome you know and because I you know I, I well want to have, yeah, well, I, I want to, you know, I have no problem being wrong. Um, <laughs> that's, I, is, I, I do know that about you from listening <laughs> to the show. That that makes a lot of sense to me. Right. I have no problem. That, I, I think that's the biggest, you know, bit of ego that has to be dropped off of people um, is you have to be 
willing to be wrong and you have to be willing to say, oh, I didn't think of it that way. I, mm-hmm. you know, I want to, which is hard to do on Twitter. Like it's hard to, it's hard to admit that you're wrong on Twitter. Um, so, but, and, and, but that's why I get, that's why I have those conversations. It's uncomfortable. And, you know, I'm 35 years old and it's hard to be uncomfortable uh, mm-hmm. especially when you want everything you want everything to be the same but like it's it's incredible like my, so my tax lady um the person who does my taxes because i have weird and complicated taxes mm-hmm. she i was talking to her about you know uh claiming stuff for the podcast because you know we make money off the patreon patreon.com slash hell of a way to die mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but you know i said she said okay so how do you do the payments i said well there's me there's nate and there's our um there's our producer and we set aside this, this, and this for you know advertising and charity and whatnot. And, and I said, but everything else is gets you know split up, you know equally and sent out. I said, yeah, we're kind of uh, we're a socialist podcast that's you know trying to be as socialist as we can. And I'm saying this to this tax lady who I've met like twice so far, but she's like she's so nice and disarming. And she said uh, she's just like, oh my god, like. She's like, I've become way more socialist. And she's a little, uh, she's a little, no. yeah, she's a little old lady, uh, old. Um, she's, um, a, I don't, I mean, she's an older woman. She's, but I mean, yeah, she is. She's an older woman. She's probably mm-hmm. in her fifties. Um, and her, she talked about her father who's in uh, his seventies, who is like a full on, full on socialist in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, it was, uh, it was Ferguson that really showed it to her. She's just like, I had no idea huh. that there was this you know other side of america that i wasn't seeing and this isn't like some little like she where her tax office is is literally like two and a half miles down the road from the ferguson police department well i'd I'd been meaning to ask you about this as well because i i just heard you talk about it for the first time on the show like your parents live across the street from the ferguson police station yes oh wow yeah they live so what the fuck was that like (laughs) it was funny because i told my um when the when when the decision came down to not press charges against Darren Wilson, now when I say my parents lived uh, across the street, so across the street from uh, from there is a um, like a subway and a tire spot, and then in the back are some suburbs, and so they live a few streets and you know back that way. But uh, you know I pass I go to their house you know every every week or every other week, and they are like you know a, a two or three minute walk away from the the police department, so. I called my dad and I said, "Dad, uh, things are really heating up over there. Do you do you want to come over to my house and hang out?" Uh, and my dad is just like, "Francis, it's nine thirty o'clock at night. I'm going to bed. Why are you bothering me right now?" And I was like, "Dad, they're like burning Have down." Have you looked a- out your window? Right. I was like, "Dad, they're burning down a C- uh, Walgreens." He's just like, "They're not going to come up here. Nobody cares about up here. They're going to, you know." Huh. They're, they're, he's like, "They're going to, you know, be down there." He's like, "I'm not concerned. Don't worry." And he was right. They didn't, you know, it's not like they went up into the suburbs and started rattling chains or anything. They uh, went up and down the street and were, were mad about stuff. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's such a, it's such a, a horrible, delicate balance of like valuing your safety and the safety of your parents, but also like knowing the privilege of like, they're not going to come down this specific street, like uh, being so close to it and not feeling affected by it. Like that's so... It's just so it's just so strange. Well, he and and that's not to say that he didn't feel effect. I mean, those, right. those protests. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not trying to paint your dad as right. like being disconnected from it, but yeah. right. I mean, my dad. My dad is an atheist socialist too. So huh. it, it uh, you know, he he was all about you know, uh, 
the the protests and and everything he just yeah. didn't he's just not a guy but that knowing out. they're not going to come up my specific street like right. he's not yeah. a guy that goes to protest though he's right <laughs> Uh, so one of the things that uh, drew me into your story very early on in the podcast uh, when I was listening your show uh, was that you are also a freelancer uh, who deals with some freelancer problems. Uh, you write at a place called Task and Purpose sometimes, and my favorite fucking episode of your guys' show is that uh, Sebastian Gorka revealed the list of like the, <laughs> the, the equipment that he carries around with him everywhere he goes, and it's an insane person's list of things <laughs> with just so much. And so you wrote a, a response article on task and purposes that was sort of like, here's, it isn't even that far into satire. Like there's some things that you offer up that are pretty good things. And you brought it up earlier about how, like if somebody broke into your house, you would hit them with your mag light. Like a flashlight is actually like a really <laughs> important tool, but you also took him to task a little bit for being a lunatic here and you guys do an entire episode of your show off of one person's email back to you where he took it at face value and just explains how you're wrong about everything and offers alternative purchase options. Right. But by the end, it seems to reveal so much about him personally <laughs> that you just make a, a plea for him to get uh, help for his mental health. Uh, it's such a bizarre episode. And uh, as as two people that get hate mail for stuff sometimes, I just I, no, I appreciated <laughs> how you handled it. But it's also just really fucking funny. Well, there was a lot. We got I got a lot of emails that some of them were kind of passive aggressive. Uh, I got one from like a retired Green Beret. So he claimed. Uh, where he's like, well, I mean, he's done a lot of good things for, you know, special forces. I don't know. Maybe you have too. I don't know. But, you know, he's done a lot of good things. I think cool. it's pretty Ooh, rude Seb to Gorka? take him to <laughs> Dr. Seb Gorka? Yeah, Gorka is really into uh, the special forces. He And he, do, he does do a lot of stuff with uh, with special forces. He does training with them and everything too. So, like, and I, I won't take that away from him. He does do a lot of uh, – I mean, he's still a crazy person who probably <laughs> should be locked up in a Hungarian prison somewhere. But probably, you, we only you, said probably. You, you do bring up that he also has the uh, the license plate "Art of War," and you guys really get into. Uh, you also have a guest, the War Axe, on that episode, and all three of you get into how fucking stupid Sun Tzu's Art of War is as something to read. Like, when your enemy is close, make them think that you're far away. Like, sure, man. Like, it's not it's not the end-all and be-all of military intelligence. No. It's 2,000 years old. It is a good, it is a good War 101 book. Uh, if, if you're just getting getting new to this uh this whole war business that we do but yeah and and i think i I think the the what i what i was trying to really get uh out about that um that everyday carry of his was because the guy that wrote us the big long thing at one point is like you know you sound like the guy that i'm always lending stuff to because they you know didn't bring the things that they needed i'm like i have no doubt (laughs) like i work in it i have certain (laughs) tools like if i Back when I still worked in an office, I had certain tools that uh, did what I needed to do. I had disks. I had um, thumb drives. I had those things, and I didn't carry them with me every day, but I had them in a place. you know. And if I worked out and about, uh, I would definitely have those. They would be my everyday carry because they were the things that I need. Gorka was like a, a dude that is – he spends his time between going on Fox News to talk to the president or talking to the president at the White House because he was a security advisor. There was no reason for like any of the weird shit that he was buying and carrying other than I want to, which is 
There Fine, was like two I different guess, guns, like, right? <laughs> well, it, okay, so I, I did make that. I It was a bit of a mistake. Uh, I misread it, but uh, I didn't go back and change it because whatever, it's satire. I didn't care anyway. But <laughs> it's two guns, but he... It's all- satire and Seb. The right. two things that you needn't correct. Satire? Satire. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, he alternates between the guns. He doesn't carry both of them at the same time. Well, I'm, but I'm sure it's at times he does, though, but uh, it's... Everything, everything about what he carried was just things that it's like. This is what a crazy person carries, like because there's, there's like, a solid ten minutes about it, about like a tourniquet that he takes, and you guys are like, yeah, but if you were just to be shot, like you couldn't apply that tourniquet to yourself. Yeah, it's an insane thing to take with you every day. Right. It's a the those uh those one. He's like, he specifically said, I can apply it one armed. Like, okay, so if All you right. get shot in the arm, cool, you can Do apply it one arm. But, like, put that on your leg when you get shot in the shin bone or something, man. You're not mm-hmm. doing that one-handed. Like, it's so – it's it, it's very obvious that he spends a lot of time hanging around Green Berets and wishing he was one and <laughs> doing the training and saying, look, I can shoot, move, and communicate like a Green Beret. I can put this tourniquet on like a Green Beret. I can do these things like all these cool Special Forces guys. But, Seb, you're not Special Forces. You're a guy that goes on Fox News and talks <laughs> about bullshit for the president. Like, that's not – you're not a Green Beret. Like, when those guys go out, those guys need those high-tech flashlights and those really, you know, good, sturdy $150 folding knives. And they need those things that you carry every day because they go to war zones. You go to Washington, D.C., and you have to put all that thing into a little tray when you go through a metal detector in every building that you go into. <laughs> Oh my god, I hadn't thought of that. That's incredible. <laughs> he actually can't take it with him most of the places he goes. Right, he's you cannot, you literally can't everyday carry it unless he's keeping it in that stupid Mustang of his, which in St. Louis is uh, guns being stolen out of cars is kind of a thing that we have going on mm. here, which is why there's always so many it's like our streets are always kind of flushed with guns because there's always dipshits that come from the county, and they're scared of the city, so they take their guns, but obviously they can't take the guns into Bush Stadium, so. They leave it in their car, and then uh, people come by and door check, and, oh, I, hey, look, free gun. Pretty pretty upset about how many uh, high school friends of mine on Facebook that uh, from Kansas that have posted the same thing. Like, can't believe gun was cold, stolen from my truck. I was like, Can't well, believe you brought your gun in your truck. <laughs> I was going to a Chiefs game. Same, yeah, th- uh, so professional sports is where guns get stolen now. Yeah. God damn it. Yep, that's because every, hey, you got... You bring in, you know, 20,000 cars, there's going to be a good, especially in Missouri, where, like, it takes, like, you know, 300 bucks and 20 minutes to get your hand on a halfway decent pistol. If you door check enough people, at some point in time, somebody is going to not lock their door, and they're gonna there's going to be, like, a little Glock, you know, sitting in the center console. And it's like, so, you don't even have the, con- <laughs> the, even the common decency to put a trigger lock on it, man. Come on, that's on you. So in our neighborhood, a thing has happened... Uh, that is mind-boggling to me. Uh, we privatized uh, our bar district. Uh, they sold off the sidewalks to a private military group, uh, a private security forces group, uh, because there was a lot of guns coming in, and the police can't check for guns. So now the sidewalks are owned by this private security force, uh, which means that Saturday and Friday nights, for about eight hours, uh, this same group that actually runs security for the Chiefs games 
uh, can pat down anyone that they Has want to. Has it been to. implemented yet? It, it gets implemented we in don't, two months. We're, we're, we, we're indoor kids, so we haven't been <laughs> out it's, yet it's two to months check away, this out. But okay. is, this power, power, is this Power and Light? Uh, no, it's a Westport. Okay. Power and Light, power and Light is, is, is looking to us to determine whether or not it's a good system. Uh, but yeah, uh, they get to do what the police don't. And if uh, we ever decide that it doesn't work, we will have to buy back our yeah. sidewalks for something like 180K. Uh, and it's, it's for like two intersections, uh, mm-hmm. but they were just sold off to this like Blackwater-ish sort of thing. And I was just like, as we were moving into our neighborhood, we signed up on Nextdoor, the, the app where <laughs> people post it's up. It's just a font of joy. And, <laughs> and the very first post was this dude on this rant about how like military thought police were coming in to do this thing. And I was like, what a lunatic. And then the next day I looked into it, I was like, oh, we did sell <laughs> off part of our town mm-hmm. to a private military force, like fucking oh god what that like that's insane to me and i've i've been interviewing like business owners and they're all like actually we think this is a pretty good idea because we couldn't deal with the amount of guns in this neighborhood i'm like but is it though like that seems insane right is this the best idea like in in memphis um when you go oh god what's the name of memphis's famous street uh Mm. Beal. Beal. That's it. I want to say bourbon, but it's not. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, Beale Street um, has a really great kind of way that they do it, where it's just here's the here the Beale Street intersection is. You know, it's not even an intersection. It's a a straight line, and mm-hmm. they just have they every night. Well, last time I was there, every night the cops come and they put up barricades so that nobody can drive down it, mm-hmm. and they're just like do whatever. The cops will be mm-hmm. on that end. The cops will be on the other end. Uh, you know, buy, you can drink, you can smoke, there's voodoo shops, there's, you know, food places. Now, I don't know if they had the, the same problem as the, the wash of guns, but, you know, it's, it always seems like one of those, like, we have this, this, uh, a bunch of guns coming into the, in, into our system here. Why don't we, you know, why, why are you worrying about here on this street? Why aren't you cutting the, the, the tide off somewhere else? Like, well, this is just easier and it makes people feel better when you know they see a black guy getting patted down by some you know fat yep. guy that couldn't make it onto the real cops yeah that's what it's gonna look like and that's why the NAACP is just sitting here yeah. and they're like like no the day it goes don't into do effect, this. we have a lawsuit ready yeah. like it's gonna be we know what this looks like yeah <laughs> so we started you with Gorka here but the we brought you on today to really talk about another guy who lives in a world of stolen valor, uh, <laughs> Eric Greitens. Oh, boy. Man, that guy. That guy, what a whirlwind he was. So to, to fill in listeners that are from outside of Missouri, uh, Missouri's governor, Eric Greitens, and I've been reporting on this for a couple of months now, uh, had a mistress. Well, <laughs> what? okay, so I'm going to stop you immediately. All right. <laughs> Can I? Go ahead. Because I'm going to stop you because you can't call her a mistress. Yeah, because she's not that's... a mistress anymore. That's what we thought it was. We right. we thought that it was a consensual adult relationship between two people that were both married to other people, but that what was not consensual was that he like tied her up in like what a kinky sort of thing and took pictures of her without her consent to blackmail her into not speaking out. It turns out According to her testimony, that is not what happened. That from their very first sexual encounter, it was not consensual. That there were other encounters afterwards that sort of were, but the whole thing is just, at best, buried in coercion and weirdness and, 
like it's a, dark it's a influence. Revenge porn thing, but also like well, a, it's it was a revenge porn thing already, and uh, now now it's it's a weird coercion of a woman that didn't want to be sexually involved in the first place, like wanted to sort of like maybe flirt and talk about a crush, and he. It, it so we cannot call her his mistress right. based on her testimony, which he refuses to refute or comment on. So I'm just I'm just yeah. gonna shut down that language That's immediately. Yeah, uh, we can we can absolutely just say that he raped her. Like there's no yeah. There, there, we, you don't have to dance around that one. Like it is. Okay. Yeah. If, if you read what she said, you know, if you take that at face value. That's uh that's straight up rape. Right there. Yeah, so, we 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 originally thought that yeah. that the only thing that wasn't consensual were these pictures that he blindfolded her and took to make sure she wouldn't talk about it. Uh, if you read her testimony, which is available online, and maybe we can put the link in the yeah, show notes, uh, it is nothing about this was consensual. Four, four months ago, when I started reporting mm-hmm. on it, me and my editor had to have a lot of conversations about like. Make sure we aren't kink shaming. Yeah, uh, we've gone beyond that. Yeah, uh, and and what has happened is that the more that we've dug into this, the more that has been revealed that like uh, this governor guy also had like uh, a fundraising nonprofit for veterans that he was definitely just stealing money through. You know, but, a patriot. But also that like uh, as the investigation progressed. The thing that they were going to get him on and might still get him on, uh, and this is just like getting a mobster on tax returns, is that he started communicating with this woman through uh, one of those messenger apps that automatically deletes your stuff, and it was on his government phone, which breaks a bunch of rules yeah. about government transparency. So it's like, uh, we're going to get him on the WhatsApp uh, thing, and that's what he'll go to jail for. And even, uh, I, I wrote a couple of pieces about it, even Republicans in Missouri he is a Republican governor uh, who, yeah, who had dreams of being president and still does have dreams of being president. Well, there's a precedent that's been set. Yeah. Uh, it's, not, it's a pretty low bar. Uh, he, uh, They've even like gone out of their way to be like, no, 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 he needs to step down and get out of here, which it, it's either like Republicans here are a little bit better than Republicans elsewhere, or at no, least that they know no. they can't get anything through under this guy without it being like, challenged later because he's absolutely going to jail but uh on friday he uh held a press conference where he called this a witch hunt like six times in 10 minutes why does no one know what that term means anymore (laughs) uh and and previously uh on your podcast you guys got into a discussion about uh with somebody who had met him uh as well as your the how you perceived him that he is a, a guy who uh, has this military history and he's leaned on it and has written or ghost written a couple of books about his military service, but that you really get into like, well, he's just a guy that did those things to put them on the resume. He was never deployed anywhere. He just he just made sure that he had that stuff to put on the resume because this guy's just always wanted to fucking be president, even though there's this American psycho, Patrick Bateman, like there's nothing behind the handshake it's just a resume of a man that wants more power well uh, well Greitens, what are your Greitens thoughts <laughs> okay so so Greitens um has done deployments um he's oh, okay done, he's done deployments as a logistics officer so Greitens was uh, he was I guess he joined the navy and went through navy seal training he has never been a part of a navy seal team though uh never been part of a, of a platoon which a lot, but of, he calls himself a Navy SEAL, which he is. I mean, it's okay. it's like, it's like you know somebody who uh, joins the army and does you know four years and gets out without ever going overseas is a veteran. 
Now, when you say veteran, though, that, you know, that that conjures up an idea in your head of, oh, so where you're a veteran. Where did you serve? And then they say, I've spent, you know, four years in Louisiana. Like, well, that's not, you know, and I veteran. I don't understand the question. (laughs) Right. So so through, you know, technically, uh, Greitens has done deployments and he has uh, he is a uh, a trained Navy SEAL. He's just never actually done it. And uh he got swift boated by uh, some veteran, some some Navy uh, Navy SEAL veterans. Oh shit! When he was, what uh, does that mean? Okay, so um, back in fuck, what year was that? Was that two thousand and four when Kerry was John running? Kerry? Yeah, yeah. So when John Kerry, oh god, okay, so I am old. So <laughs> in two thousand and four, when John Kerry was uh, going up against President uh, Bush two at the time, there was <laughs> Kerry the rec- was, Bush two, the reckoning. Right. Bush did. Kerry was uh, a Vietnam vet, and he was on a uh, a swift boat. So basically, like these river, he was a commander of a swift boat, which is these little river boats that go up and down. And there's pictures of him and, every, and everything about uh, when he was out there, and he got a Purple Heart, and uh, you know served his whatever, and, and went home. <laughs> so there was uh, there was a group called the Swift Boat Veterans for Truth that like released video about how he was like not a real swift boat captain and didn't do this and i don't remember exactly what their uh what their their gripe with with him was i mean he went to vietnam he did the thing and he came home i don't know what there was like eight of them and they were just uh went out of their way to be like he's no hero right and like he was on the boat with us and he was just like Right. Oh, okay. Not so that that's, that's the swift boat yeah. name. Okay. Yeah. So so being swift boated is when you say I'm uh well at least I've always taken it as I'm I'm a troop. I've done troop things and then other troops come and they say, but you were a bad troop and we don't like you as a troop. So, right. So there's swift boating and then there's cadet bone spurs and just exactly. all, all manner of right. what did you do? Okay. So yeah. So great. What this, did you yeah. do? Yeah. There, there's a, there's like this 10 minute long video that came out of uh, Navy SEALs being like, Oh, he never, you know, he's just using it to, to get political favor and political gain and, and everything. And I mean, so what? So I, 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 that's not what all I'm sure from people that him. voted for cadet bones bones <laughs> right well no and and this came yeah. out actually back when he was running back when he was a Democrat he switched over to Republican yeah. uh, 2015 yeah. as he ran for governor like he's just a guy that wants power and mm-hmm. doesn't give a shit about anything else yeah, yeah. he's he's owned uh, Eric Reitens for president.com for for a while um, okay. and <laughs> and the thing with his veteran charity isn't that he was stealing money. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't that brazen. See, that's the thing. That's the thing I'll give Crichton's credit for. He's, he's fucking <laughs> smart. Like all the, all the things he's done, he's, he's, I mean, he came out of nowhere. I don't even think he's a Missourian like by birth, but he came out of Cal- nowhere. California, I believe. I, maybe. I don't know. I a don't, lot of, I mean, that's been happening in like Texas and, and apparently here, right? Like a lot of, a lot of somewhat liberal people or like at least like left-leaning republicans moving to to these states well right the guy from blackwater is running in wisconsin yeah wisconsin Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so so he's eric prince yeah a a real human name prince eric prince yeah so so greitens what he's being Mm -hmm. accused of with his veterans charity is using the email list to fundraise for his campaign which is a, which is a no go. Like, hmm. had he just stolen money, it'd be easy to just like, yeah, fucking boot him out. But like, what he does is just, is one of those things that technically it's illegal. But you know, when you when you tell people like, well, he used an email list he wasn't supposed to use, <laughs> people are gonna roll their eyes at you. So, but his emails, right? But the thing is, is that Greitens 
the the way as smart as Greitens was with a lot of the things he did, he was really really fucking stupid when he decided to piss off literally every politician in the state. Not even not even just Democrats. Like had he just gone after Democrats, it would have been fine. But he didn't. He he. Uh, he stomped on Republicans too on his way up, hmm. so that's why. Like the for the only time that I've ever seen like true bipartisanship in Missouri is to try <laughs> to is to try to exercise this demon out of out of our office and just like just <laughs> like the the lieutenant governor is not that much better, but like at least he's not a complete asshole. I guess I don't know. Hmm. He probably is, but he didn't he didn't make everybody mad on his way to the top. <laughs> so Greitens' is biggest downfall is that he was his his hubris and just being an asshole to people and now it's uh it's all going to come come to a head and you know in he doesn't have to he really doesn't have to leave like I, the uh allegations of of rape and sexual assault there's no, there's no like hard evidence, so you can't take that to a court and win. Now, a, a normal human being would, you know, <laughs> would resign and you know go away. But mm-hmm. Greitens is a Trump guy, so, but he doesn't have the, and I don't know, I don't know if charisma is the right word to use for Trump, but he doesn't have the like raw shitheadedness to be able to get away with this. I don't think. I think only Trump's only mm-hmm. going to be able to get away with. Wait, I'm sorry. One second. This case that she filed, like, is this in criminal court or civil court? This, this it's suit in, that's been it's filed. It's in three different courts. Okay. The, the suit is not, but he's being investigated elsewhere. But her, did she actually file a formal lawsuit or is this just an investigation? Oh, I couldn't tell you. I think it's an investigation. I, the, both, I saw the report come out, and I know the that there's house, a, yeah. I know there's a report coming out about the veterans charity. But I, I think I think the veterans charity is going to nail him oh. harder than, uh, than the district yeah, attorney no, I, has the big I ju- one. I just remembered. Like I I'd been thinking of this as a lawsuit, but no, it was a an ethics investigation right. into right. him. So sorry. Yep. Yeah, keep going. Continue. <laughs> Oh, I've got nothing else. Greitens is oh okay. He, he's he's Greitens is garbage. That's it. Yeah, I mean he's he's hosed himself, and that's I mean that's just gonna be how it ends up with him. Like uh, mm-hmm. he's gonna if he doesn't step down, and if somehow he manages to squirm around the uh, the veterans uh, charity investigation, like if it turns out that he didn't actually do that, but I I'm sure that he did, uh, mm-hmm. or he's the kind of guy that would do something like that. Uh, he's not gonna get another. Um, another year here like because mm-hmm. i think we we vote every five years um and so for greitens to be elected again or to be able to shift into a presidency like we have right. to as a country really really kind of fall uh, a lot more at this point so i'm well I'm, scott pruitt still thinks he's running for president in a few years so mm-hmm. right who the and, fuck knows right there's <laughs> so so we'll see we'll we'll see how uh how hosed we are i guess in the next uh, two to three years francis how can people support you following what you're doing well you can follow me uh at army strang on twitter that's where i'm at the most but i do as you said i have my own podcast uh what a hell of a way to die it is mostly military and uh, lefty politics mostly military stuff though we try to be um we try to be accessible to everybody without being like dudes with giant beards and constantly shooting guns and drinking Bud Light and talking about how we love war because we're both we're Nate and I are both anti-war uh anti-war veterans so uh, I will say that for anyone that doesn't think a military podcast is up your alley uh 
if if I'm recommending listening to at least an episode, then then I think like yeah, listening to at least an episode to see if it's if it if it's the kind of thing you're into. Mm-hmm. Uh, it 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 it's a it's a military podcast for people that don't think they want to listen to military podcasts. And, and it also uh, exceptionally uh, like now like uh, more and more things about military stuff seem to be blending in. Like you guys. Uh, are talking about military news and uh, you were talking about uh, Trump's big parade, but also how training for the military at this point is going from the training that people actually need back into the sort of like color guard training about like how to march and do these patrols in a way that look cool in a parade all of a sudden. It, uh, uh, and that's going to get people fucking killed. Yeah, so so many people right now are finding themselves like feeling more political than they ever have before. People that thought that they, you know... I don't know. People that, since the 2016 election, people are invested in politics in a way that they haven't been before. And I think that a lot of people, myself included, I, if Brock hadn't fallen in love with your podcast and and had me listen to it, like, I, I wouldn't have included military politics in, in my new, like, political landscape. And I think that for anyone that is finding themselves more political than they've ever felt themselves to be before, uh... I would say give this a try. Give give uh, Hell of a Way to Die a try because it's a really interesting listen for people that have never thought that that is something that would be on their radar. Francis, we like you. We like you a lot. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, and I like I said, we try to be we we try to be accessible. Um, yeah. You know, I don't. Well, wanna... you succeed yeah. in that because yeah, a lot of people's th- oh veterans they're just like you know they they're this weird. You, We've been at war for like 17, 18 years, and I've come across plenty of people who don't know a single person who's ever, you know, joined the military, like, or maybe their dad, or maybe like a cousin that lives on the other side of the country. That uncle you don't like to talk to at Thanksgiving, right? You know, there, there's not a there's not a whole lot of uh, military civilian bridging, so we're trying to mm-hmm. we're trying to be that bridge to be like, no, no, there, here's a couple of veterans you can talk to, and that we can discuss things and and not yell at each other and not you know (laughs) sometimes we don't even make it political like nate and i are both you know very left-leaning people but a lot Mm -hmm. of times we just talk about training or we're talking about uh you know the uh how things are in the canadian army or how things are in the british army or things like that so we try to we try to keep it uh keep it mixed up because if we just made it politics or if we just made it military i think we'd lose people but um but i mean you're you're a human being that (laughs) experiences life from a lot of different angles so those things don't have to be separate yeah and we do have we do have the patreon uh and that's like i said hell of uh patreon.com slash hell of a way to die and like for five months we have or five bucks a month we've got um other episodes um we do essays i write essays Mm -hmm. about the military in deep space nine uh, so that you can well, get you can get that for a way to bury the lead, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's I'm, start the podcast again. Subscribing right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, also, they do uh, a lot of stuff with uh, you. They have a call in number, and people just share, share military stories mm. and some of your story roundup episodes, uh, including the one uh, from the woman that had to do uh, urology on a submarine. Yeah, are just uh, <laughs> fucking otherworldly to me. So. It's a it's, it's a like, weird... it's, it's a lot about bureaucracy and a lot about what the dangers of of what our military is is mm. embroiled in, but also it's uh it's funny and interesting and uh, grounding and uh, thank you guys for making it in general. Yeah, <laughs> we've been we've been having a lot of fun, and I don't think we're gonna stop anytime soon. Fantastic! Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, thank guys. you. All right, bye. Bye.